Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from the founder of one of the world's largest home product brands on the future of hardware startup product design thinking. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, a show to learn from top leaders in product development, prototyping, manufacturing, product selling, and everything in between. Hosted by Kevin Macko, the leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Sponsored by PTC's two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo. And produced by Macko Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Paul Rowan to the show. Paul is the co-founder of Umbra, a household product company that designs, manufactures, and sells hundreds of consumer products to 70,000 retail stores across 200 countries. Paul ran Umbra for 37 years. He spends much of his time these days as a lecturer in the design thinking colleges as well. Today, Paul is going to share some valuable knowledge on how inventors, startups, and small manufacturers can understand the value of quality design in modern times, how to leverage that design to be world-class in the modern era, and how to utilize humanity to ensure the long-term success of your hardware product venture. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Paul, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Well, excited to have you on today to talk about humanistic design, the workplace, what's happening in the future of hardware, because big things are happening right now, especially around the concept of AI. And a lot is happening in the world in terms of how the future of products are going to be developed. But more important, how are those product startups and product scale-ups going to actually compete? What are they going to do with these new tools that are evolving over the next few years to be at the forefront of their game? And what better person today to talk about it than yourself? First of all, I want to mention that I noticed you've got mountains in the background. You're down in oh, yeah. Colombia right now teaching down there. Give us a bit of an update on where you're at. Well, I'm in uh, I'm in the mountains in the Andes right now uh, in outside of Medellin, Colombia. I just love Colombia. I mean, I love the spirit of the people are amazing. Um, you know, obviously they had a lot of problems in the past with uh, gangs and violence and so forth. So people really had a bad idea about the place, but really it's a wonderful place. The people are wonderful. They're trying to forget about their past and move forward in a really innovative way. They're known for social innovation in their cities. And I got introduced through one of my customers from Umbra. Umbra was selling products in South America. And one particular, there was a company called Tugo, which is like a mini Ikea kind of company. And they had a lot of Umbra accessories. And they said, why don't you come down to Columbia and we'll do some workshops. We'll introduce you to the universities here. You could talk about design. And I did. And when I landed in Medellin, I called my wife, Marcy. I said, oh my God, we're going to live here one day because this is an amazing place. It's so productive. It's not a third world country. It's a developing country for sure, but it's also very modern. The architecture is amazing. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. So, and the, and the climate, okay, especially coming from Toronto this winter, uh, living down here for the winter, it's been just a just so relaxing and so nice for my body, I got to say. So everybody come down to Columbia. It's wonderful. That sounds great. Give us a bit of a background of the last 40 years of how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, so the first product, it was very intuitive. And, you know, I know we talk a lot about strategizing for hardware developers and like, and startups and having a really good idea, about their vision and mission and so forth. I had none. However, um, I had a real strong passion for design. Actually, I should say that I didn't even know what design was. I did things that I really out of necessity. I started this whole company 40 years ago that grew to over like 200 countries and 70,000 retailers just based on one idea, like a, an idea that was um, actually a window shade for my apartment in Ottawa. And um, 
Yeah, it's amazing. And we just, uh, my partner, Les Mandelbaum, and I said, okay, let's just make it. Everybody likes this thing. You know, no research, no nothing. But, you know, a lot of hard work, a lot of wearing a lot of hats, manufacturing through marketing, sales, um, design, going out on the road, putting the window shades in the back of my car, driving all over the country with them, uh, eventually discovering the Houseware Show in Chicago and launching it through a series of reps. And then, um, yeah, the reps kept saying to us, this is interesting too, by the way, for you startups, you know, the, the salespeople were really driving a lot of product development because they said, hey, we did, you got this one product out there, but they're asking for more. Can you please give us more product? I said, okay, sure, I could do it. So we just started developing more and more product and the strategy was, okay, yeah, sales driven, a lot of it, and then market driven, um, and then just hiring a team of designers, a lot of them out of OCAD and Humber in Toronto, uh, really relying on young people to bring new ideas and inspiration to the company with the senior designers kind of guiding them through the process. And then it just, ah, also I'd say uh, looking for um, export markets. You look to the US right away, you look to Europe, look to China, look to Asia. And so, uh, yeah, the company just kept growing with a lot of hard work and dedicated people, passion, and always innovating, never worrying about the copies that much, but very, you know, defending as much as we could with patents, but just innovating, innovating. I have to say that in the last 20 years, I did like a product a day Wow, with a big team, but still we did so many products and a lot of them flopped, but we had this base of really dedicated customers, retailers partnerships, trusted trusted people that really trusted us. So building trust with your businesses and really having them rely on your role, being a trusted advisor to these people as you're developing products, they're key and making them stakeholders too. Like the biggest companies in the world coming to us and trusting us and sharing ideas and developing them with them as stakeholders just turned into a huge business for us. I mean, I have so much to say about this, but we have other things to talk about today, which is... Um, about my experience with uh, starting with George Brown College. I've been an advisor there for over 20 years and, and I've recruited a lot of people. I'd encourage all you guys out there to keep in touch with your schools and use lean on them for recruitment and stay stay connected to education, okay? Because it's never gonna, it never stops, right? We know that, Kevin. So George Brown started this initiative to do um, a study for a, kind of like a student-based Deloitte sort of idea. And I suggested, let's do the study of the future of work in the workplace. Because every executive I've talked to over the last year is saying, okay, what are we going to do about bringing people back to work? We don't really like hybrid hybridization of work. We don't like working at home only. We want them back at work. And the workers are saying, no, we want to work when we want to work at home. And so it brought up a lot of issues about the culture of work at um, the workplace and how to address that. And also, how do we live with work at home now? So I thought it was a great opportunity for designers to really step in and solve problems for business by developing product that would you know facilitate work at home, facilitate mental health, uh, reduce carbon footprint by working at home. But at the same time, how do we design office spaces in the work so that we have culture at work? And not just work. So the, the future of work is, hey, there is no work at the workplace anymore. It's about getting together with people and promoting the, the brand and the culture of the company. So that brought me to, thank you very much, this idea that, and everyone said to me, oh, AI is going to solve all our problems. It's going to make things easier to work with. The internet's going to make everybody allow them to work remotely and so forth. But then when I started to look at actually the tools of AI that are available now, it really brought up a lot of questions to me about the future and the nature of work. 
because AI, when you look at people, like obviously everyone knows about ChatGPT exploding on the on the bit on scene and the threat of it or the benefit of it, and then mid-journey for AI generative design, which I've been experimenting with. I find it really fascinating. And what I came up with and I want to talk about today is AI cannot compete with HI, which is human intelligence. We have to shift our design businesses to focus on the humanistic values of what we can bring with our products and services. I mean, it's just so obvious to me that AI cannot have the spirit, cannot have that innovation that humans bring to it. And everything that you see in Midjourney is a hybridization of human ideas that basically is copying and, and kind of hybridizing. So uh, let's talk about how we can promote humanistic values and purpose in our design companies. Yeah, especially as a startup. Startups have a huge advantage over big corporate with this sort of a thing. And we can get into that in detail. Paul, I want to just go back a bit because this is a really interesting topic coming from you. You've been in the product development world at an extremely high level for 40 years. You've seen the evolution of various tools. I mean, when computers were first introduced, when CAD was first introduced, all these tools that, you know, if you go back in time and you look at some of the actual records, so many people were saying, basically, this is the end of design, or this is the end of creativity, or this is the robotic takeover of product development. And you've watched these things, essentially these theories come and go. And really what ends up happening is these technologies truly become tools, tools that require humans to use them. And the more sophisticated the human at using the tool, the better the output. So well said. And so why aren't we now changing the way we teach, the way we um, create do creative workshops in our businesses? It should all be about the human experience and how we can lead with creativity. I love this time. It's such a great opportunity as some people see it as a threat, but I say like, let's shift to the human experience, to studying behavior, to inject human values, purpose, spirit, the understanding of our place in the universe. This is something that AI doesn't understand right now. If we just continue in a sort of robotic way that we have since the industrial revolution to turn people to robots, the AI can do it better. So we have to shift our whole way of thinking about this. And it's for me, it's very exciting because I just think there's a great opportunity right now because of this generic kind of ubiquity of good design today that's been created by CAD and all these other really great programs that we use. You know, you can see a, a Kia versus a BMW uh, on the street and the design like proposition is just as good for both of them. You know, obviously one has a little heavier and a bit more power and everything else, but the design is excellent for even the lowest cost items. So if you're a startup and you don't have, we talked about this being raising that bar on very, really, really good design, uh, you won't even get it to market. But now the next level is how do we inject that kind of spirit and purpose, human value, human engineering and human intelligence into our businesses? That's the question right now. That's powerful. I want to break that down into both those elements you mentioned. First, talking about good design and the fact that the bar has been set. You and I have talked about it in the past where you said back in the 80s and 90s, you could take really just a product, apply great design, and it would become a market success. But exactly. as you mentioned now, you know there's so much quality and caliber and learning and education and tools that have surrounded design for so many years that good design is at a minimum a low bar for a market entrant. Talk a bit about that, especially for people that are starting in the development process and are trying to get their first new product to market and how important 
Yeah, well, don't think of yourself as a brand manager, as an entrepreneur, or as an inventor. Think of yourself as a consumer. I mean, what are we accepting and what are we buying in the stores today? It's top quality, excellent design. There is no bad design in the stores because it cannot even be put on the shelf these days. Good design is ubiquitous. So we have to elevate ourselves. Okay, we've got to at least be great design. And what does that include? Well, I think just to differentiate ourselves from the competitors and to not just compete on price, we need to inject this kind of idea of uh, human values and purpose. And how do we attract great people to work for us too? That has to be part of our vision and mission to attract those people, just like you have. And like, um, I think this kind of thing that you're doing to educate uh, startups and hardware startups, uh, I think it's an excellent thing that you're doing, injecting into your business. You're a great example of it. Well, I appreciate that very much. The biggest thing that I can appreciate from this podcast is having incredible people coming on the show to talk that, that have been extremely successful in the hardware world to give their best nuggets of advice to emerging brands today. And that's so powerful to understand concepts that are very obvious to somebody like you, Paul. But when, especially if somebody's this is their first product that they've developed or yeah. they're in the ideation phase, like just ironing out the general landscape for today can be incredibly valuable to helping them get pointed in the right direction. And now we're talking about right direction. You know, we've talked about the concept of a minimum caliber of design, which is required just to compete. But what you're talking about is this humanistic value, which is really how you can go from great design, which is a standard essentially to get into the market, to how do you be the best or how do you be one of the winners or how do you be one of the leaders or the pioneers or the innovators or the award winners? That comes down to what you coined as humanistic characteristics and values. Now let's talk about that specifically to hardware startups, because that is something that hardware startups can compete on far easier than a big corporation. So let's dive oh. into some of those details into how that really can be powerful and how they can actually not only use humanistic considerations in their product, but in their overall product business and brand. Wow. Well, that's very well said because I think you're right. Small, a startup can compete in a lot of different ways with to a big company by injecting those kind of values. First of all, the actual personality. I'm a big supporter of entrepreneurs that really want to put their name on the product. I mean, then, but we have to overcome a lot of fear in doing that. And I, I think just look to yourself and see why you would stop yourself from doing that. People are looking for a story. Consumers want to know a story about how things are done, why you thought of it, and how you did it. So putting your personality first is really an interesting idea. Consider having a lot of empathy about things that are happening in the world today, about sustainability, about your carbon footprint, uh, about your sourcing, about your labor practices. All those things are really important to consumers today. Those are the things that actually differentiate us from really giant companies. And so giant companies are trying to do it too. Actually, you see all the advertising that you when you watch the basketball game tonight, you know, everyone's talking, never hardly anyone talks about the product anymore. They talk about the the humanistic side of their business, right? We've so, talked about it a number of times on the show. There's so much value into you as the inventor, the innovator, the pioneer, the designer, being the actual spokesperson of your own brand. It's so powerful to how far that goes in, just in, in, in sales and marketing tactics. So leveraging up, obviously, you've got a great product. Hopefully, you've done great design and you've got great manufacturing set up. But to put your own name and your own personality and, and your story, everybody has a story. I mean, we, we've developed well over a thousand products for hardware startups. And I don't think I've ever had one that didn't have 
some interesting, unique twist of a story behind either the product or how they got to the concept of the product or what they did in developing it or what they did in testing it or how they ideated it or the partners they brought on or a hundred other variables that come into it. If you dig deep into your background about your product, know that there's a whole bunch of really interesting nuggets there that add that humanistic value that will allow you to connect very powerfully with your buyers. I think uh, we're going to have to have a whole other podcast just on design. Th- I'm going to coin that right now, design therapy, because the only reason <laughs> people will not do that is because of the fear of failing or because they don't have the self-confidence to do that. And they want to hide behind the name. And let's say, let's put it this way. A lot of designers out there have a lot of difficulty putting their self forward. I mean, I've seen a lot of my colleagues and everything sit in front of a computer and never want to talk about design, but they're excellent. They're amazing engineers. They sort of have to break out of that whole thing and start becoming the face of what their design is. This is a great topic. And um, I think it's going to really change people's careers and their businesses if they start thinking that way. Very interesting. Well, let's talk about this humanistic value and how that applies to the future of the brand and the business, particularly around those long-term elements that you talked about, sustainability, labor practices, just your impact on the planet, your value to other people. These are really long-term considerations as opposed to potentially short-term profit centers. Looking a little bit further down the pipeline, realizing that for, for a hardware startup to compete at a global level. A, you have to have great design, but on top of that, you have to have humanistic value. Now, how you enable that humanistic value from what you're saying here is to really look at that community characteristics in the long term. Well, that's that's so true. I mean, I think we have to embed all those values in our in our businesses and our in our in our mission for our businesses. You know, there's if we can get just a couple of good nuggets out of this podcast, it would be that you know when you're in that decision tree about going left or right to the short term, you know, uh, decision problem solve or the longer term one. I think this is the place where you. We hopefully, in the back of their minds, they'll say, yeah, let's go for the longer term one. Let's figure it out. I know it's going to be easier short term. Maybe it's going to be easier economically too, but let's figure out a plan where we can actually embed those values in what we're trying to do in a longer term decision. And look at it this way too, like all these people that work for you and the people that are going to be your customers, they're going to recognize that too. So like if you have a short term gain issue, it's going to be a short-term relationship too with your customers and your and your staff. Long-term thinking about the implications of what your business is, the empathy you have, the sustainability of it, your transparency with your workers, all these great humanistic values are the things that you have to keep trying to strive for, even though it's going to be a lot difficult, more difficult than a short-term plan. That is so powerful. I mean, I look at it like investing in compound interest. So in the <laughs> short term, right there, you can get a quick ROI and you know, there's all these get rich quick schemes. But the reality is if you invest for the long term, you're constantly thinking forward. If you look years out, you're, you're 10 or 50 or 100 times larger in terms of your overall value than, than you are looking for a quick buck. And the reality in your business is that's become more important. And the window has become more clear and transparent to the outer world seeing into the inner business. You know, there's online reviews at a minimum. There's all kinds of like stakeholder engagements and social media spreads the word quickly, both on the good things and the bad things. So oh. reality is if it's more transparent than ever to what you're actually doing, what is the core values behind your business? So if you focus on the long-term, sure, there might be some short-term pains to get there. 
But the mm. inevitable truth is you'll be exponentially more successful in the long run by focusing on those big picture things more so than ever in history because of the evolution of the importance of those humanistic characteristics as you're talking about here. And based on the, you know, you've done quite a bit of research on this too. I'm glad that you brought that up because I think sustainability is also, there's also, there's environmental sustainability, but there's also financial sustainability of your business. And so what these long-term or longer-term decisions are going to yield is better stability, financial stability for you. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's something that you got to take to the bank. I mean, they may say, yeah, sell out to a mass merchant, but you, you know, the product gets killed after the first shipment. Well, maybe that's not the right decision for the long-term health of the business. Or how do we maintain longer-term relationships with these very powerful customers? Is it a short-term game thing where you make a lot of money, but the product fails? I mean, we used to do a lot of uh, very agonizing decisions. Like customers would say, oh, we want to ship 10,000 of these things and say, you know, you better start with 1,000 to test it because we didn't want to damage the business relationship. That's amazing. You had an order for 10,000 units turned it down so that you can ensure the long-term success. Many times. <laughs> That's powerful, right? And, and you've been through it and you've now seen the net benefit. And I think for a lot of hardware startups, it's hard to see that. You've obviously, like you mentioned, gone through that many times. But for somebody new that hasn't gone through that, sometimes it can be daunting. Sometimes they're really looking at that and saying, no, I need to do this, this now for the short-term gain. And it's worth sacrificing it in the long-term but that doesn't work anymore. Not not in 2023 and onward. This is really something that even those stories that you know people fake it till you make it. That whole mentality is gone. Hardware startups, especially, that is not something that that works. That is not really something that any successful hardware launch does in this day and age. In fact, if anything, it's reduced feature set, reduce the amount of bells and whistles, but really double down on the quality of the core offering that you're going to present for your first version. Make sure you deliver something great to the customer. And then let them help you with your with feedback and whatever else for the next versions. Great advice. And I was just thinking that we promote design thinking as designers, and we have to actually put that make that part of our business strategy because like test, test again, test again, prototype, test again. And so you don't have to overcommit. You can test, you can test, you can test until you get it right. And and so, yeah, let's use design thinking to be successful with our startups. That's a whole other podcast, isn't it? Yeah, probably we could spin that one up as well. <laughs> Paul, thanks uh, so much for all your words of wisdom today. Is there anything other words you want to leave? Well, no, I just would like to say thank you very much uh, for this, Kevin. And, and like, I just think this is such a great support for startups. And what you're doing is amazing. And I think education as part of our purpose in our business is really an important thing too. like continuously re-educating our staff, continuously uh, contributing to conferences and staying connected with our schools is a really important idea for me. Paul, so much appreciated, especially coming from you saying that you're obviously, especially in the consumer product world, you're one of the leading names on earth for product development, product scale up, product commercialization. I mean, you name it, anything to do with physical hardware, consumer products, talk to anybody, they know who you are. Looking forward to having you back on the show again. Thank you so much. Eh? Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. If you found some value in the show, please do us a huge favor and leave us a quick five-star review. If you have any questions, guest suggestions, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us anytime at our email, podcast at macodesign.com. That's podcast at macodesign.com. This show is hosted by Kevin Macko, North America's leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Huge thanks to our sponsors, PTC, and their two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo. And Macodesign. 
design and invent. The original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Thanks for joining and see you next time.